Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. And I'm Dr. Bud Marr. Now, Bud sounds different today. That's because Bud is not here. Uh, So, Bud is going to be here. He's going to patch through the miracle of Zoom technology here when we get into our first segment. But here in the intro, it's just me, Bo Bonner, uh, coming at you solo because uh, our good friend, Dr. Bud Marr, who is Associate Provost uh, of uh, Mercy College of Health Sciences, he is out in Rhode Island doing good work on behalf of uh, our Mercy Institution, Mercy College of Health Sciences, who underwrites our show. He is at the Conference for Mercy Higher Education Mercy Roundtable Talk. It's been uh, a wonderful thing. I'm glad Bud got to go represent for us out there. Um, I got to do a team uh, presentation with him. I was on Zoom, and he was in person. Uh, they send uh, the, the better-looking, nicer ones out <laughs> to, to meet people. Um, so Bud was out there. I got to be on Zoom. We gave a talk. Um, about research we've been doing that was uh, really great to get to do that. But Bud is out listening to other folks talk and be a representative out in Rhode Island. So it's just me for uh, the intro. We'll talk to Bud uh, the first two segments, then I'll also uh, close everything out in the outro. But this is The Uncommon Good. It's wonderful to be with all of you here in the middle of the United States in Iowa, where we both work, like I said, at Mercy College of Health Sciences. Um, I'm the Senior Advisor for Mission Initiatives and the Director for the Center for Human Flourishing. We love, love, love being here with all of you who participate in our show. You can do that, of course, through Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, Any of the dials that you are able to dial us in, if you're hearing this over the airwaves, then you know that it's working. But also you can listen live on iowacatholicradio.com, the Iowa Catholic Radio app, and then, of course, all of our good podcast listeners. It's wonderful to have you with us. As I said, we're underwritten by Mercy College of Health Sciences, mchs.edu. We have three continuous semesters where people can be a part of the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, as the Sisters of Mercy have left us that great legacy, Uh, nursing, allied health programs, all sorts of ways that you can make a difference in your community, multiple starting uh, points, being able to learn uh, through instruction, the practical realities of being a healthcare professional, but also hopefully getting that wider mercy uh, caring and, and healing and spirit from the Sisters of Mercy and their charism that we live out here at Mercy College of Health Sciences, mchs.edu. Thank you, Mercy College, for underwriting our show. So, like I said, I'll be talking to Bud about uh, P- Pentecost in general. We just got done with Pentecost Sunday, uh, but very specifically, we'll be talking about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's people who know really neat, nifty songs. I will not uh, throw that down uh, <laughs> to you right now. But the seven are usually split uh, into uh, ones that have to do with appetite or the will. Uh, so we have fear of the Lord, piety, and uh, fortitude or courage. And then the four that deal with the rational uh, soul or the, the intellect. Uh, so uh, understanding, wisdom, counsel, and knowledge. These are the sort of they're marks of, of, of a Christian life because they're gifts the Holy Spirit has given to Christians since the birth of the church at Pentecost, like I said, that we just got done celebrating. Um, we're into ordinary time, but ordinary time just means it's ordinarily the time of the Spirit. 
And so we want to dwell on how the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives. I know we talked about that we were going to do book club, and we are, but I will be honest, we're human. We forgot that Bud would be out of town and in Rhode Island. So we'll start the book club. Augustine's Confessions give you another week to start reading that. We'll start that next week, but today, talking about Pentecost and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. We're back with The Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr, joining you this week. Bud from a special place. I, I That makes it sound like you're in purgatory or something, Bud. Not quite purgatory, just not in here <laughs> recording with me. Bud, you mind telling folks what you're out and about doing uh, and why you are talking to us on Zoom rather than snuggled up right by the board? Well, I'm in Newport, Rhode Island, which first off is a cool part of the country. Us Iowans in our Iowa culture are just babies in the grand scheme of things. There's some old buildings out here. Right. But um, no, I'm at Salve Regina University, and uh, it's a cool event. It's called the Mercy Roundtable. Folks know Mercy College of Health Sciences traces its roots to the Sisters of Mercy, who in 1899 um, established a nursing school here in Des Moines. So even though we don't have a sister presently employed at the college, that's our heritage, and we're still connected to the Sisters of Mercy in various ways. So we've been gathering as leaders at Mercy Institutions to talk about what that charism and what that history means for how we teach college students. And we got a chance to um, give a talk, you there in the flesh, and then me, um, I was returning the favor. I was on Zoom. Um, I'm wondering how intimidating did I look just sitting up there on a screen while you were talking? (laughs) You looked intimidating. Um, it would have been more, it would have been cooler if you would have been a hologram. That's that true. Have, like, Why have we not got on that? Yeah, yeah, that's definitively like, what Obi-Wan needs to happen. Kenobi. Yeah. Come on, son. But I don't know. You're, I, should, I should say on air you're a true friend because you woke up at 3.30 a.m. to drive me to the airport. So you leveled up this week. <laughs> well, actually, it also helped because... Um, we're really getting in the weeds here. I promise we'll talk about Pentecost and the seven gifts here. Uh, like we, like I said at the opening of the show. Um, but it worked out, bud, because, uh, people might not know this, but I'm supposed to give a reflection as the mission officer before every cabinet meeting that we have here at Mercy College. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? And then I remembered, uh, we had a conversation as I was driving to the airport that I thought was good. It's like, you know, when you're up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, like I was, I was going to get you and take you to the airport. I'm like, of course I'm supposed to be up at 3.30 in the morning. What else would I be doing? But everyone I drove by, I'm like, what's this guy doing up so early and or slash late? And so then you have to stop and go, well, look, we always have a usually right a description or an understanding and narrative of what we're doing. So maybe we should be, um, you know, empathetic. They're probably doing something like that, too. Except we saw that one guy in the motorcycle, bud, and I'm still thinking he was up to no good on a motorcycle at 4 a.m., but that's just me. He looks suspicious, but more than anything, I'm just proud of you for having a coherent conversation at 3.30. I very, I remember very little of that drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you told me you were going to like give me that 500 bucks. I really appreciate it. I'm kidding. Joking. You ah, <laughs> okay. Well... <laughs> So to get uh, more in the spirit, so spirit, charism, things like this, um, yeah, we we gave a talk. Uh, it went well. Um, what we're going to talk about today on the show is you know, Pentecost just happened. That sort of wraps up the Easter season. Um, but traditionally, what we've heard from uh, the, the church is that 
the Holy Spirit has specifically gives seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they mostly take this um, from the book of Isaiah. Uh, so this is um, Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord, there you go, will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And so, like, you know, different ways that that's rendered in the Hebrew, the Greek, uh, and the Latin. But this is where, from the Latin, the Greek translation of the Septuagint, you get sapientia, which is wisdom, intellectus, which is what we say understanding uh, in English, concilium, which we usually render as counsel, uh, cognito, or sciencia, which is what we get knowledge, and that we can talk a lot about, actually, fortitudino, fortitude or courage, Pietas, so piety, and then timor domini, so the fear of the Lord and what that might mean specifically. So, but it's interesting, you know, that we can colloquially call Pentecost the birthday of the church. Pentecost itself, of course, is uh, that name uh, is, I think, the Feast of Booths. Am I right about this? It's a Jewish feast that already happened. It just happened to be 50 days after, um, of course, um, Easter, which coincides with um, what was going on in the Jewish calendar when it came to Passover, um, that the church has a birthday, right? The, the church is truly born in some ways when the Holy Spirit comes. That's why they were supposed to wait, the, the apostles with Mary in the upper room. And from that moment forward, the church really was the apostolic church, the evangelical church. It went out that very day and got converts just from the first immediate talking that, that occurred after the Spirit, so to speak, landed among them in the tongues of flames above their head. So, But it, of course, makes sense that uh, on a birthday that the Spirit gives gifts to uh, uh, the birthday boys and girls, which mm-hmm. is the church. And it's interesting that we have these seven. Um, I don't know if for sure that you, you know that the Holy Spirit himself had the idea that, oh, this is sort of like the church's version of the seven virtues. I don't want to necessarily say that. Um, But certainly throughout history in the church, there is this idea of like, you know, there's seven virtues, like habits that we're supposed to instill, but these are seven gifts. So even though we'll talk even about like faith, hope, and love, that they're also give right, you can't have them unless they're given, there is this idea that you habituate in them, you do things, so to speak, to grow more and more in them. Uh, these seven are specifically considered as the Spirit gives them to us so that we can be the church. And I think that that's the first thing worthy of dwelling on is the idea that the, tr- that the Holy Spirit comes to give us something so that we can do um, the work uh, that the Acts of the Apostles shows that the nascent church was always supposed to do. Yeah, I like that you start with the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they, I think they structure the conversation. So, so if I could say two things about Pentecost that I didn't really prepare you for, and then I'll, I'll move out of the way for you to make the important points. But I love, I love this piece. Um, actually teaching undergrads, it's one of my favorite parts of the Bible to get into because when the Holy Spirit first comes upon the apostles and, you know, they're able to, um, speak in these other tongues and things, uh, some of those who are observing this say, well, uh, they've had too much wine. So yeah. because of this manifestation, they're like, well, they must be drunk. I love how Peter like does on that, that one pass of St. Peter. I mean, he's like, hold on, hold on. Like uh, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> and then I usually make, 
some joke to the students, like, clearly, like, Peter had never been to, like, a noon kickoff in Iowa City or something like that, you know. <laughs> Bam. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing, like, part of Scripture, the New Testament. Um, but I think it reminds us as well, as you see the Spirit at work and what follows, like, if I can go into grumpy Catholic mode for a moment, <laughs> we have a tendency as 21st century Catholics to sometimes, I feel like, harness the Spirit for our own pet movement. Mm-hmm. And I see this across the spectrum of Catholicism. So it's not just a certain type of, of Catholic, but people will say like, there's this thing I love, like the spirit was really there. Right. Or um, we talk, we talk about the spirit of councils. I, I don't know, like the spirit, Holy Spirit's name is attached to certain things. And I say grumpy Catholic, I want to qualify that and say like, in some cases, you know, those probably are very legitimately the movement of the Holy Spirit. But what, I love about what we read about in the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So it kind of challenges our temptation to just like baptize whatever we're doing with, with it being a movement of God, because sometimes the Holy Spirit pushes back. And we see like, for instance, say Paul say there's a time where he was planning to go to Ephesus, I believe. Like he has this specific missionary trip in mind. And the Holy Spirit actually prevents them from making a trip. So sometimes, like, the Holy Spirit, like, aside from, like, fueling whatever project we have, will actually stop us in our tracks. And that's where, Bo, I say, like, I, I appreciate you beginning with the gifts of the Spirit because these remind us that the Holy Spirit is not just about anything. And what I mean by that is, like, this is, you know, the Holy Spirit is divine. So anything that the Holy Spirit, like, empowers or gets behind is going to have a divine structure to it or be in line with what we, we know with how we know God works from revelation. No, I think that that is salient, especially to thinking about why the church spends so much time saying what gifts. And then of course there's also the fruits of the Holy spirit that we could go on, uh, you know, for a whole other show, but this idea that the spirit is not just, um, when you feel that your decision has been confirmed, um, I think we get this bud with this idea, you know, you'll hear people talk about testing the spirits. So there's this idea, which I mean, I think is a good thing. You're supposed to go, I mean, in its most basic from scripture idea, testing the spirits is, are you listening to God or are the demons trying to trick you? What it kind of becomes practically, and I say sort of parlance in, at least now, is, hey, did you stop to think, is this something that you wanted or is it something really that it's the will of God? But Funny enough, even emphasizing that, that kind of flattened out to, oh, if I feel, you know, very strongly, you know, personally, that must be, you know, the spirit approving of what I want to do. So I always think it's interesting that the church takes its time to say, you know, the works of the Holy Spirit are actually well delineated. It's not like God the Father has a bunch of rules, the Holy Spirit has none, and then Jesus sort of sits in between. I think sometimes that's how people... Um, render the Trinity, as it were. You know, the Holy Spirit's probably most um, encountered by the faithful Catholic in, for instance, the liturgy. The liturgy is a, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? We uh, It is the Spirit that allows us to say, Abba, Father, you know, through Jesus Christ to God the Father, as, you know, the, the prayers say. I think St. Paul, you know, points this out. And so when we stop to say that the Holy Spirit regularly will come alive in the life of a Christian through seven specific gifts, 
that's one way for it not to say anything to do with the spirit is just mere enthusiasm, nor is it just like you said, self verification. There's this regular way we can expect the Holy Spirit to show his work in our lives. And so one of them, like we're saying here, is these seven gifts that, to be honest, show up, uh, you know, in other other places. So, you know, talking about knowledge, uh, you know, like cognito or scientia, um, or even um, fortitude, you know, so courage is a natural virtue that can be considered on its own naturally. Um, to think of it as a gift, though, um, it, it immediately makes us dive back into seeing how the Spirit acted in Scripture, bud. So we think about Pentecost itself and how Peter, who himself sort of fumbled around, made mistakes, misunderstood Jesus, immediately in the Acts of Apostles, which, let's be honest, another way you could have titled that book was the Acts of the Holy Spirit, we immediately see Peter, the courageous figure that's willing, like you said, to make that speech, to sort of calmly put to, to the side this idea that this must be drunk people just merely talking. Instead, it's this act of God sort of reversing the Tower of Babel by making it that people can understand what they're saying in their own language. That that fortitude, that courage that allowed all of the apostles to either become martyrs or in the Saint, the the, the uh, instance of St. John, to tr- <laughs> an attempted martyrdom that didn't work, uh, at St. John outside the Lateran Gate, that, you know, but to me already starts to show the Holy Spirit does that time-honored uh, adage, it doesn't destroy nature, it perfects it. So people can be courageous, pagans are courageous, all sorts of people are courageous, but courage is the gift of the Holy Spirit, has its own uh, life and vitality that draws us back into the life of the church, the lives of, and examples of the saints, and once more, Bud, speaks to your point that it just can't be willy-nilly. What I feel is what the Spirit does. There are time-honored ways in which we can look into our life and say, is my life alive with the Holy Spirit? Then I would look for these seven gifts. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying uh, that the, the listeners heard the apostles speaking in their own language and they could understand what they were saying. I kind of, I mentioned like different tongues and actually was jumping to a different part of the New Testament. I think there's a nuance there that, that's, that's important. But going back to your point about in this Thomistic phrase that grace doesn't destroy, but builds on and perfects nature. I think that's really essential. And I mean, to take a little bit of a bunny trail here, Bo, I've been kind of challenged in my own life. Like sometimes we think of the saints as possessing super natures. Or that God, in a sense, like overwhelmed their, their personhood or their being. And, you know, it's kind of natural to do so because in some cases of the miraculous things that we, that, 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 that they did. But in each of these cases, it wasn't that there was a new nature in St. Padre Pio or St. Therese of Lisieux. It was that God took their natural gifts. And use those, like built on those, extended the grace that the saint then cooperated with so that uh, truly miraculous things can be done. And I say that, Bo, because I know sometimes with the saints, uh, we kind of, we put them on a pedestal where it's like, well, that's like, it's important that I have this like veneration or devotion, but I'll never quite get there because that's like a, that's like a different level of humanity or something. But we're all, we're all called to be saints in our own way. You know, there's that, and, and I want to get back to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but that phrase that people quote 
from Dorothy Day, like, don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed so easily. And I hear that quote sometimes like interpreted in different ways. What I heard from Dorothy Day is like, don't turn saints into these like plastic figurines that are just like set apart from the wolf and wharf of everyday life. Like we're all called to aspire to be saints. And so to present it as like a supernature is in a sense to present it as something that like I'm not actually called to as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, like you said, with all these things like courage and fortitude, many of them are, a few of them are net, like natural virtues and the philosophical tradition talks about them in that way. And so for us, like we need to follow the example of someone like Solomon and ask for wisdom and God will extend it. And we, we need that grace. We need that help because there's also the reality of concupiscence in the way that like sin drags us down in various ways. No, I think that that's a great way to to think about the gifts and why we have an emphasis on them. It's certainly the case that the saints are the site, the nexus, the node, bud, <laughs> between heaven and earth. And when <laughs> God wants to do miraculous things, it's through the saints by which he does them. And I do mm-hmm. think there's something to be said that a healthy sort of understanding that we could get back from the Middle Ages is so this this can seem like I'm opposing what you're just saying, but I think this is why we mess this up. If we imagine that the saints are just people who can do what what we're supposed to be doing, but they do it perfectly and in this way that's sort of like only a few of them can do it, right? So think about Michael Jordan, not not like a lower person in the NBA hierarchy like LeBron. Let's talk about the best, bud. Michael Jordan. Yep. So there's this idea that, of course, you and I go, well, we could never be Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan does technically what we could do, but, bud, you and I, we can't do it, right? <laughs> right? Like only a few people could ever do what Michael Jordan does. When we're talking about miracles, God performs miracles through the saint, which is something no one can do period. And I think that that's what we mess up. There's this idea that like, oh yeah, well, if I just really ramped it up, I too could have stigmata. And you're like, no, you can't. Like stigma, yeah. like the the miracles of the saints are about the sheer uh, incapacity for us to receive, to, to create the gifts we receive from God. They're a sign of like uh, the, just the, the overpouring of his power and grace and love However, we get focused on those, and the, the, you know the real answer to a saint doing something miraculous is just dumbfoundedness, right? But there's really actually nothing to say but awe, right? It doesn't explain anything. Uh, Padre Pio having the stigmata doesn't explain anything. It shows, right? It shows a reality. But the seven gifts are things that are not like only the Michael Jordans of humanity, morally, as it were, could achieve. All of us can achieve those but we receive them too. But it's not a reception like the miracle of a stigmata or a healing. Um, It is a day-to-day asking, Lord, give me your seven gifts so that I can live the Christian life. And all of us, in some measure, to live the Christian life must receive these seven gifts from the Holy Spirit day-to-day in order to live the Christian life and grow in the faith. So, let miracles truly be miracles. That's A miracle is nothing any of us could pull off. It is, so to speak, the finger of God touching a human as a beacon of what's possible uh, in the heavenly life. But what is possible for all of us 
is living the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we must ask for them. We must receive them as gifts. We're not going to get there on our own. There's not some sort of spiritual training that if we just do enough reps, we will be, uh, we will have the knowledge and wisdom that the Holy Spirit actually could just give in our sleep, as the scripture says, if we learn to ask. So look, uh, great first, uh, segment of conversation about this. We'll dive even more deeply into this. This is the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you from different time zones, but through the miracle of technology, both here with you today. This is the Uncommon Good. We'll be back right after this. Back with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you this week. Thank you for listening to the show. I have Bud with me, but not here right by my side you are in Rhode Island, bud. Can you tell the folks what you're doing and why you are on Zoom this week? Yeah, I traveled up to Rhode Island for the conference for Mercy Higher Education or the Mercy Conference. I may be transposing a couple words there, but it's basically an invitation for uh, professors and academic leaders from colleges in the Mercy Network, so uh, some relationship to the Sisters of Mercy to come together and reflect, pray, uh, and discern like where God is leading us and how we can basically how we can run colleges and universities in line with the um, the great heritage that Catherine McCauley and the sisters passed on to us. It's fantastic. I'm glad that you're up there representing us, bud. Hope you don't look out in the ocean and decide to become like a whaler or something like this. Is uh, catching lobster live illegal up here? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they've been a, they've been a little quick for me thus far. That's right. It's inconclusive. Just yeah, like on record, you've tried but have not been successful. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so today- no. In, in all seriousness, I, I walked into like the dining area today, and there was something in the fridge. It was like caught uh, on Monday or something like that. So oh wow, very fresh seafood. Yeah, <laughs> that that's maybe a little different than Iowa. I was. Uh, I was afraid to open the box, but it's in there. <laughs> uh, nice. Rock lobster. Okay, so today we're talking about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost just occurred. Uh, so we wrapped up the Easter season, but looking forward to... I know that we talk about ordinary time, but that's because ordinary time is the season of the Spirit. So we are living in the season of the Spirit. It makes sense to talk about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, but as we talked about in the first segment... I'm imagining sometimes people go like, oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that must be like floating and, you know, mind control or like, you know, telling the future. But they're actually all seven things that the pagans themselves would have thought of. It's just getting them as gifts from the Holy Spirit puts them in a new light. So, uh, sapientia, intellectus, concilium, fortitudo, uh, scientia, paietas, uh, and timor, domini, which would uh, translate to wisdom. Um, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of the Lord. Even the ones like piety and the fear of the Lord, the, the term piety comes from a Greek and especially Roman idea about, for instance, um, veneration that belongs to elders or, you know, people in the community. All of these things have an antecedent in nature. So supernature does not destroy nature, but perfects it. And these gifts of the Holy Spirit are perfections of what is possible natural, but in the supernatural life of the Spirit can be perfected in even people like you and me, bud. So there's two major divisions of this. One is the intellectual gifts. 
that make enough sense, right? Because they one of them even has the word in it. But wisdom, yeah. understanding, counsel, and knowledge obviously are gifts of uh, the intellectual, the rational soul, whereas uh, fortitude or uh, courage, piety, and uh, fear of the Lord are gifts to the will, as it were. So, But if you don't mind kicking it off, uh, the gifts of the will, fortitude, piety, and the fear of the Lord, um, I would say that in some ways they're the, the easiest to discern, so like courage is courage, to maybe one that people misunderstand a lot, fear of the Lord. Uh, I'll throw that over to you to, to ruminate a bit for a, uh, uh, for a while. Well, the fear of the Lord, this gift of the Holy Spirit, it, it has an important thread actually in the Old Testament and especially in what's called the wisdom literature. And the, the writer of Proverbs actually hammers this one home a lot. But he says uh, at one point, writes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So therefore connecting it to another one of the gifts that we want to talk about. But when, when the writer of Proverbs talks in that way, he reminds us that there's this proper fear, reverence, awe, respect for the Lord. And I use those qualifiers like the, uh, the other ways of describing this because there is a sense in which we could have an unhealthy fear of God. So God, of course, is not like a ghost who's going to scare us when we walk into a haunted house. It's God's also not like um, a big dad in the sky who's waiting for us just to trip up. Like the scrupulous can struggle with, you know, you see like on cartoons, right. sort of facetious, like God is waiting to strike us with lightning at the first uh, sign that we've gone off the path or whatnot. So the fear of the Lord, though, so in my mind, like the best way to think about this is this kind of reverence or awe. And what I think about is so like even when the prophet Isaiah sees an angel, he is overwhelmed with, with a kind of fear. He recognizes his own uncleanliness and he asks like the angel to cleanse him from his sin. Famously, the angel takes like a coal and, and touches it to the tip of Isaiah's tongue. So, like, if an angel would lead to that kind of reaction on the part of humanity, like, you can imagine if we were to be uh, thrust into the presence of God, you know, what sort of visceral response we might have. I mean, I love the story of Moses going up Mount Sinai, and he recognizes that to see God, so to speak, would, like, it would lead to his own death. So God passes by and says that, you know, of course, sort of like... um uh, this is imagery or allegory, but like sees his his back. And even this leaves like a kind of radiance or glow that Moses carries with him down the mountain. And I think though, uh, you know, I guess, especially in our day and age, we have to recover something of that. Like maybe I'm going to sound like an old buddy dud here, but I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, traditionally, even with the Catholic liturgy, with the mass, there were ways that we marked out sacred space. So like with altar rails or, um, you know, really only those who were involved in planning or celebrating the liturgy were permitted to approach the altar. And, you know, you talk to some today and they think like that kind of stuff is over the top. But if, if our Lord, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, becomes present, body, blood, soul, and divinity on our altars, we have to ask ourselves, like, what sort of, like, decorum or posture should I bring to my worship? We, we of course, like, we signal this when we genuflect when entering the pew. But, you know, there's also a way. And when my kids were confirmed or received First Holy Communion, 
we took photos in front of the altar and everything. And I try to instill in them, like, you, you don't just walk up and, like, touch it. This is a sacred space. It's been set apart for a special purpose. And to have a pop, proper posture towards that isn't, like, being scrupulous or over the top. It's recognizing that God is God and I am a sinful human being in need of his mercy. And I think that's kind of a proper fear of the Lord. Yeah, and I think that you can talk about a servile fear, which would be like just fear of reprisal versus, like you're saying, um, I mean, an an awful fear, which (laughs) that sounds worse, but it's what you're getting at is because of the respect and reverence that we hold towards someone, um, wanting not wanting to disappoint them. We do this with parents. This is like every joke that's all like, oh, remember how if you were coming home, uh, I don't think they come home with report cards anymore. I think they're like... Maybe they appear in holograms, but they're electrically electrically sent. But you know, usually you had to bring your your report card home, and you didn't. You were afraid of your parents. I'm sure some of us were physically afraid of our parents. And that's a whole problematic other thing. But for most of us, what we mostly mean is, I was afraid of disappointing them. And so I think even Thomas Aquinas is getting at that when he says what what you're you're pointing out um, that. And then piety and even like courage, right? All of these have to do with the will in face of a certain sort of fear. Uh, and so why wouldn't we fear God in that way? But to your point, I think people misunderstand it. And your point about holiness and being set apart, I think, is very trenchant. A similar thing happens with like, why are we going to have like all these four different descriptions of, of rationality of the rational you know, we need four rational gifts. Isn't understanding and knowledge and wisdom and in, in, in counsel, aren't they all the same thing? Um, Thomas Aquinas, I think, splits these up really helpfully. He goes, look, there's two categories of, that think of, of, of the soul that pertain to truth. And so on one hand, we have speculative reality. So, you know, what's not on the ground, as it were, everything from like, you know, theoretical math uh which you know or you know the 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 truths of philosophy metaphysics these big things but even ideas are just abstractions in general so we can think abstractly that's part of what makes us human and then we can think concretely or practically so there's two ways in which we can talk about the rational soul and its relationship to the truth so there's speculative truth abstract truth and in general broadly speaking as it were and then practical truth, which would have to do with concrete examples and our, making our way throughout life. And then, of course, for us, we have to apprehend the truth. So, like, if those are two vertical columns, but speculative and practical, the horizontal columns would say we have, we, there's the matter of how we apprehend the truth. How do we come to the truth or how do we learn about it? And then the other would be judgments about truth. So once we know a truth, how do we make judgments about whether something's true or false or how do we proceed once we know the truth. So you see there's four quadrants, and the Holy Spirit gives a gift to the rational soul for each. So if we have speculative reason, so speculative truth, abstract truth, how is it that we're going to apprehend uh, that truth? And so that's what we mean by understanding or intellectus. That's we receive, we apprehend abstract, speculative, theoretical truths through understanding, so the Holy Spirit gives us a gift that allows us to have perfect apprehension of those theoretical truths. Now, bud, real quick, this goes to serve um, something to tell people. This doesn't mean that once you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to ace the SAT or something like this. (laughs) There's all sorts of stuff where you, of course, in the natural world would keep learning. But the gift of the Holy Spirit of understanding is to say, and again, it's not like all at once either, 
But the gift of the Holy Spirit allows us, bud, to apprehend those speculative truths necessary for the faith. And so praying, like, so, you know, if you run into a friend who's trying to understand maybe not like the Trinity, which of course is a mystery unto itself, but just how the Trinity is defensible as a concept and how it makes sense in the faith. Yeah, you can tell them and you can explain it to them, and that's all good. Some of us are asked to be teachers to explain that. But you can also specifically pray that person, and then you can pray for them. Pray for the gift of understanding regarding the Trinity, that this difficult, abstract, speculative truth of the faith might be apprehended. So that's understanding speculative truths and how you apprehend them. When it comes to speculative truths and judgment about them, so, okay, now we have these truths. How do we act on them? How do we judge whether what we're doing in life acts in accordance with those truths? That's what wisdom is, which to me in some ways is the most obvious way to sort of get at that. Wisdom is when we take the sort of biggest truths about life, and after we've been given the gift of understanding them, wisdom allows us, but for matters of the faith, like we said, again, this isn't like you're going to be able to figure out the theory of relativity because of a gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe you could specifically, but not in general. So now you have these truths because you've been given the gift of understanding about a matter of faith. Wisdom allows you to make judgments based on those and live a holy life in wisdom because of that gift of the faith. Same thing when it comes to practical reason. So counsel is how we apprehend practical truths. And you think about that. So this is not so much like counseling and psychiatry. Obviously, that's where the word comes from. But it's this idea that like, oh, if you don't know something, bud, I would tell you, oh, how do you work, uh, you know, this, uh, this microphone, you know, I'm looking at a microphone. Oh, well, I would counsel you about how the microphone works, and then you would apprehend the truth of that. So in practical matters, again, when it pertains to faith, the Holy Spirit gives us the, gives us the gift of counsel to apprehend practical aspects of the faith, which means things like, how is it, what, what is the truth of fasting, for instance? That's a practical matter in the faith. And then finally, we get knowledge, which is probably the one that confuses people the most, bud, because I think knowledge generally in modern English means any information you might learn. Um, that's why I think it's interesting that it's actually scientia in Latin, which would actually mean, and that doesn't mean just science like we mean it, it means matters of first principle. Uh, that's why I think cognito even maybe gets at it better, cognition. Um, but again, once you apprehend a practical matter of the faith through the gift of, of counsel, you get the gift of knowledge to be able to make practical decisions and judgments based on that knowledge you have. So you learn about fasting. And of course, none of this means that you shouldn't like read, like read up what fasting is. That might be how the Holy Spirit is gifting you that counsel. I mean, that, that it can be different in every case. Some people could just wake up with that knowledge. It's up to the Holy Spirit. But, but you learn and apprehend what fasting is. Now you have to make judgments based on that. And to know how to apply the apprehended knowledge about fasting through counsel in your life is a matter of cognition, cognito, uh, sciencia, knowledge. Now I know how to make judgments about this is the best way for me to fast. So those four can seem like they're a lot alike, 
that if we break them down, you start to see how the Holy Spirit, as it were, has it all covered. Everything from the highest abstract speculative world to the most concrete and practical, and then everything from how you apprehend that that information, and then how you make judgments based on it. But once more, this is not just like the Holy Spirit gives you a big brain and you can pass final jeopardy. This is regarding matters of the faith, and you can grow in it. You can study those things. Studying might be the path that the Holy Spirit has laid out to you. But certainly, bud, you have to pray for them and ask, because even though they're intellectual, rational aspects of things, so you could learn them, you have to ask for them as gifts. And that is something that teachers of the faith should remember, that they should pray for those four gifts specifically, all seven certainly, for their students, that they may apprehend and judge in matters of faith correctly. I think wisdom is such an essential gift in our own day and age where actually one of the speakers at the conference today, he was, he was joking sort of like uh, it was good for him that when he was 12, Wikipedia had not been invented because he would like voraciously like tear through every astronomy book that he could get his hands on. And he said like Wikipedia would have been overwhelming. <laughs> there would have been like too much knowledge at his fingertips, but it's insane, Bo. Um, they're like, we don't fully realize like how much the ancient, like treasured books, like the library of Alexandria was, you know, I mean, people stood in awe of that, like the kind of knowledge base that was available there in the middle ages. Sometimes in libraries, they had to chain books down lest someone would like walk off with them or whatnot. And we sort of take it all for granted, but we're flooded with information and if someone were to ask me a question right now, you know, like I could find the answer in a matter of seconds uh, online somewhere. Right. And so to me, wisdom is in part like the ability to know like what to gravitate towards and how to apply it. Um, you know, I've actually in my role as associate provost, funny enough, I've come to value this gift even more. Like I don't, so I don't really, whatever people might think as they're listening, I don't have a lot of power as associate provost. <laughs> you know, like I'm more like middle manager. It's, it's an important role. But, you know, like final say, of course, goes to the provost or the president. But even in my role, though, I'm asked to weigh in on questions like student grievances about a grade or an integrity issue. And before I had this job, I was like, nah, like, give me the facts and I'll tell you what the truth is. When you're actually um, in the midst of these things, it can be really difficult. And it's like one person's experience says this, another says this. The student, you know, like maybe there's been a shadow cast on them. And then they, they kind of explain like all these things that happened or, you know, I, you know, it's just like the messy details of life. And I really understand, like I've been able to understand, you know, like Solomon more and more and just like what, a unique gift God gave him by blessing him with like an extraordinary level of wisdom because finding justice in our world is so difficult. But I think in saying all that too, you know, when we talk about grace building on nature, that not only has to do with how God builds us up as individuals, we should also recognize that our exercise of these gifts is not opposed to nature or does not exist outside of it. And what I mean by that is like, sometimes we can think like, well, the Holy Spirit is in my life, dwelling in me, influencing me. And therefore I don't need to look at the data. I don't, you know, um, I don't need to do the hard work of digging into the matter. 
I don't need the counsel of others. And when you were talking about counsel, you know, we should constantly be discerning the spirits movement in our lives or discerning the different spirits that are at work in the world by turning to the counsel of like, so when it comes to the spiritual life, hopefully God has given us a spiritual director who we can turn to and trust. Um, you know, our culture, I think undervalues this, but like el- elderly members of our community would have like long wisdom, especially if they're persons of faith and holiness. And so our exercise of these gifts, they don't operate in a vacuum. And to, to study the great spiritual works, to turn to great spiritual teachers, that's not like, well, now I'm relying on nature and not the spirit. That's precisely how the Holy Spirit might be leading us. No, and, and, and to sort of tie this all together here at the end, I think it's interesting that, you know, Mercy College's values, knowledge, reverence, integrity, compassion, and excellence. I think the knowledge one, but often really does get, I mean, just rendered because in, I think, common English, people go like, well, yeah, that's like any information that a student's learning. Um, you know, knowledge is just you, you learn your field and you have knowledge about it. But with this, considering it in light of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, this really is about, okay, it's not just the book learning. In fact, that's more like counsel. We counsel our students in their instruction. There's all sorts of words for this that have specific meaning. I don't want to like belabor the point too much. But the idea that knowledge in terms of the gift of the Holy Spirit, what we're really trying to say is we value judgments, good practical judgments based on things that you know and implying that they're for the good of something else. So we want our students to be knowledgeable health practitioners, meaning, yes, they know all the book learning and that they know all the practical things that they have to apprehend to do that, but that they make good and sound judgments for the sake of their patients based on that, and that we want that for ourselves as our instructors, staff, uh, administration, everyone, um, that we make good practical judgments for the sake of our students and everybody's involved. And yeah, man, that really should be a gift as well. To have the gift of knowledge at a place like Mercy is just one more way to say we care about um, people in the way that Catherine McCauley and the Sisters of Mercy did. So, Bud, one more time before we, like, get to the break, uh, tell the folks what you're doing out in Rhode Island and why you're Zooming in with us. Yeah, I've been at the Mercy Roundtable here. Um, it's going to be a biannual kind of gathering of leaders at Mercy Colleges and Universities. It's been in a lot of great conversations. Uh, you know, I'll say this on air. If folks want Bo and I to come talk about what we were able to share at the conference, Certainly always welcome to do so, but um, just a blessing to be on the airwaves too, Bo. I kind of like this. I kind of like patching in. I feel like a guest. That's right. And we, you've been you've been a gracious host. That's right. I've been nicer than usual. <laughs> well, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, of course, see you in the flesh next week. This is The Uncommon Good. We'll be back right after this. the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, joining you. We just had Bud on. It was great to have him with us, um, but he had to run off and do more things at the conference. Uh, like I pointed out um, earlier in the show, he is out in Rhode Island at Salve Regina University, one of our sister Mercy institutions, out there with the Conference for Mercy Higher Education, the Mercy Roundtable Talks. Uh, Bud and I got to give one. He's there with uh, the rest of the people doing good work out there, so it was great to have Bud 
uh, Zoom in so that we could have our conversation on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, you have me here uh, solo for the end, doing the outro here. Uh, so we're so glad to have you with us, whether that be through uh, listening live. So if you're hearing us over the radio waves, great to have you with us. iowacatholicradio.com, where you can also listen live. The Iowa Catholic Radio app, and then, of course, all you good listeners that listen to us on podcast. thank you for listening to the show. Always wonderful to talk about uh, Pentecost, the work of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we've given you some practical and speculative apprehension of truth so that you can now go out and make judgments about living out the faith with courage, piety, and uh, fear of the Lord, which of course doesn't mean servile fear, uh, but that awe and wonder of those who get to sit th- uh, close to the throne of God, knowing that there's nothing that we want to prize more than life with him. And I hope dearly that the Holy Spirit, uh, through the prayers, your prayers, our prayers, our prayers for each other, uh, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit daily in your life are bequeathed to you so that you can live in that spirit. So covering what Bud usually throws out uh, with the outro, if you want to join our prayer life where we can live in the spirit together, we always have rosary at 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. here on the, the station, and then the chaplet of divine, divine mercy at 2.55 p.m. Please feel free to join us in our prayer life so that we can live in the spirit, um, as we are so saying. Um, as far as events, that if you're in the listening area, uh, uh, Des Moines Diocese in general, but like maybe others, some of the places that you catch us with our signal, um, always make sure to go to iowacatholicradio.com and hit the events, and you can see things that will be coming up soon that you can do. Uh, just some of the ones in the future, June 16th at 7 p.m., West Des Moines, St. Francis of Assisi Church, Rome Beneath the Surface with Deacon Omar Guterres, host of the Catholic Hour with the Evangelium Institute. Um, June 24th at the Iowa State Capitol, we have the Iowa March for Life with Pulse Life Advocates. More information, I think that starts at 1 o'clock, but more information, like I said, at iowacatholicradio.com. Also on the 24th, Night Fire um, uh, Concerts presents Jordan Feliz with uh, special guest Spoken at the Horizon Event Center in Clive at 6 p.m. July 15th, Walker Hayes presented by Fairway to the benefit of Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation with special guest George Burge and local favorite Josh Sinclair. So it's July 15th, Community Choice Credit Union Convention Center Ballroom. Um, I am missing where that's, uh, when that starts, but you can go online to buy tickets. And then also August 10th at the Iowa State Fairground and onward, uh, the various um, concerts that Iowa Catholic Radio is sponsoring then. Folks, uh, this is a ministry that is not just the people on air behind the boards or behind the desk. It involves you as well. And we, we exist through your prayers and your volunteering, but also through material support. So please remember us. Think about donating. You can donate iowacatholicradio.com on the Iowa Catholic Radio app, or you can call or text 515-223-1150 in order to make this ministry for Jesus Christ extend out into the world through your gifts and charity. We thank you for making it possible. So for Bud Marr, who's out in Rhode Island, this is Bo Bonner. Uh, This is the Uncommon Good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, our families, city, state, nation, solar system, galaxy, the whole kit and caboodle. This is the Uncommon Good, and we'll be back next week. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcast. Just search for The Uncommon Good. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and The Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences. Learn more at mchs.edu.